Hello, and welcome to the Football Junto Podcast. I'm your host, Julian Stoller. This is episode five, featuring Helen and Kocha. Helen is a UEFA licensed coach, and you can follow her on Twitter at Immersed2018. Welcome, Helen. I'm really happy to have you here. I'm really looking forward to this. So just to give the listeners a bit of background, you transitioned from a full-time police officer to a full-time coach. And About how long ago was that, and what were some of the inspirations behind that transition? Firstly, it was probably about four years ago now. Um, and it just happened because I, I didn't, I, I found that my passion for from that particular career was basically waning. I wasn't as passionate about it anymore and I needed to, um, I needed to do something which I, I felt passionately about and that, that was coaching. Fantastic. So it took you only four years to get your UEFA license because you're UEFA licensed coach now. Yeah. Um, but when I, um, when I quit my previous job, I was a B licensed. Okay. So, um, basically, I was working full time as like most coaches do, working mm-hmm. full time as well as coaching in my spare time, um, and to, then eventually for a year, I worked nights only to allow myself to coach during the daytime. So. Fantastic. So, so just a little bit of the, your coaching background. You've coached in some different countries. Do you mind taking me through a couple of the different countries that you've been in and coaching? Maybe some differences that you've seen. Um, only three really. I'm 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 from England, so coached in England. Um, coached in uh, America, uh, a couple of different states there. Um, coached currently in China. Um, I've done a little bit of coach education in Poland. Um, now the differences that I found would be, um, just how the level of sort of competition. So in America, I found that the the players were, and their families were very competitive. Um, in England, less so, um, regardless of the age or, or even regardless of the ability. Um, and in China, um, more in terms of wanting to please the the coach that they will try to match the coach's um, level of interest so or passion. Do you think that those are cultural influences or do you think that that's just down to who those kids are in those environments? I think definitely culture. Yeah. You see a very aggressive sort of parental culture in America, at least in my experience. The, the, the parents were on the sidelines interjecting throughout the game, talking talking to the players, talking to the referees, talking to the coaches. And it was a huge distraction as a player and for the players. So when you were coaching in America, did you, did you try and combat that in any way or any particular fashion? Um, I'm quite I've – got, I've got a mixed view on that. Um, yeah, I definitely noticed it. Definitely, definitely. Um, yet yeah, my my opinion and something which I um, I sort of adhered to. So I, I didn't have an opinion and then do something different. I had an opinion, and that's how I lived it. And and it was evident when you watched me with the players. Now my opinion is that regardless of what's going on on the sideline or in the stands or wherever, the players should be. Um, accustomed or at least schooled in a way that they have such a level of focus that it doesn't affect their task yeah so yeah we had we had a lot of activity on the sideline and and uh, in in the um bleachers um 
but I, I never I never really saw it as a major problem. Do you think that the FA implemented silent weekends would work in America? Oh, we we had silent. Oh, you did. Um, we had silent Sundays. Yeah. Oh, great. And did that? Um, did that? How did that work out with the parents? Uh, it was too quiet. <laughs> oh, I, <laughs> it was far too quiet. Far too quiet. I mean, the, the game's about passion. Yeah. It's about it's about an immense amount of passion that you probably wouldn't get in many other many other sports. It's and I think that um, obviously behaviour needs to be managed. So you don't want high level aggression aimed at young young children or yeah. at anyone. <laughs> um, but that's a that's a separate matter. That's about you know controlling the crowd. Um, but I, I think I think you want activity on the sideline. You want people to show that they are really emotionally attached to the game. And as a coach, in terms of like motiv- and motivating your players and implementing that passion, what are some of the things that you've learned throughout your career as, as, as best to be able to do that? I think it's so hard to, um, to, to teach or coach passion in okay. a player. You know, um, it, it, it's also, it, it, I think it can get quite deep. And I, I often try to put myself in the place of that player and, think about what I was like when I played because I was so average as well it makes it easier for me to relate to the player (laughs) (laughs) you know I wasn't a high flyer um I I was I was so um I had such a disappointing playing career um that it's helped me so much in how I relate to players whether I I empathize and how I empathize and it helps me to punctuate my um, my responses, and and I level them differently depending on what I think that player needs. Sometimes I get it wrong, yeah. um, and I probably make the apology to the player for that. But um, yeah, it's it's um, it's a tough one. You can't teach passion in a player, but you can you can work to identify whether that player actually cares. Yeah, you know. And do you think the best way to do that is put yourself in the player's shoes? Give them your try and look at th- look through things uh, through their own perspective. Yeah, 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 I think so. And um, and also the stresses of playing, the stresses of being judged by a coach, being judged by your peers. Maybe yeah. you've had a bad day. I've had I've had nine year olds, and you see them training and they're so aggressive or they're showing an absolute lack of interest regardless of the quality of the session I'm putting on yeah and I've taken them aside and said you know have you had a bad day today and often they'll say yeah school was really tough today and and these are players who are still mastering the language yeah um so yeah you put yourself in the place of the player but you also have to tap into your own empathy as a human being definitely i think that's actually extremely important and quite at least in my opinion my experience it's it's a pretty new perspective for coaches to have because most of the time you see at least when i grew up you'd see coaches getting angry at players for being late when for example it was never a player's a young player's problem it was usually the the parents who who would bring their kids to to these games so you'd see you'd see coaches punishing players for being late and showing up late to practice whenever it's it's absolutely had nothing to do with their punctuality as a kid it's it's just the parents juggling eight or ten different things yeah but i I have to admit i'm 
I'm quite tough with players. Um, I'm quite tough with players. And right now, you, you would have, um, I'd have some players who would turn up to the session from their class and, and they are late. Now, my perspective, which I do let them know about, is you are late. So I don't want to spin around and see you making your way to, to the session yeah. and you're walking as if you're on time. Yeah. <laughs> so if you're late, you need to show that you, you care. It matters. And, you know, you, you, that's got to be a run, I think. Well, I think also that, that comes down to establishing a culture for those kids to, to yeah. sort of feel comfortable in. I think that's also a very important thing, quite overlooked for some coaches and maybe even in the coach education pathway is the ability to establish cultures and to be, have that cultural Definitely. stability of, hey, if, if you see your teammate not working as hard, that teammate should Definitely. then look through his, other, his or her other teammates to say, oh yeah, the level here is no matter what, no matter whether or not you're having a bad day, you show up and you work hard. Most definitely. And it's got to be the same for, for us as coaches. Definitely. You know, um, there are so many times where I've, I've, I've basically got the hump about something. And to, to show that to a player, I think is just so unfair. And, and there have been times when I have done it. And in your own reflection after the practice, you, you would you'd start to think, or how, how have I communicated? Something I did once, which was really painful to do, was I, I recorded myself during the session. That's so my, my phone was recording my voice tone, and it, and it was really not nice to listen to. Well, that's fun. nice it's funny you say that. I was watching my friend and fellow Football Junto member coach last night, and I was there in the, in the changing room for the team talk, and I recorded it without him knowing. <laughs> and, he, and I said to ah. him, yeah, which I, I, I'm, still, I'm still his friend after, so it's okay. But uh, I recorded yeah. it for him, and it was actually quite interesting because he was like, I actually don't really remember what, what I said. I don't really remember what happened because you're sort of in the moment and you let these things flow. Yeah. And it was a cup game, so it was, it was quite important. But he, I, I haven't asked him if he's listened to it after but because they won. Maybe if they had lost, they, he probably would have listened back to it to see maybe what he could have done better to motivate his team. But motivation is, as well is, is extremely important and, and quite unique to the coach, and it's really down to the coach but also the players. So it's, again, talking about that creating the culture is, is extremely important because you can actually go into a, a poor, poor – like it's just say if – let's give an example. As you, you go to a team, you go to a new team, and you're the new coach, and you see this culture of laziness or you see this culture of not trying to – to practice things you're bad at what are some maybe of the way what are the ways that you would sort of approach that and try to changing a culture how would you how would you approach that i think it depends on your time scale so obviously um when you when you're entering into a new footballing or coaching environment got a new group of players you're working with if they're looking to achieve something within a certain period of time um then you, you need to react a certain way because it, there's more of an urgency to it. Okay. Um, but if if you're being allotted or you're being given um, kind of free reign with, with less sort of less less pressure on you with the time, then then it means that you can be a little bit more um, uh, not casual but a Le little bit lenient. less aggressive. Yeah, yeah, you can maybe be a bit more lenient as long as it doesn't affect. The development because you don't want to allow apathy and then all of a sudden you've you've wasted time with with what they're meant to be learning yeah but, um, if you don't have a lot of time I think you need to make your standards really clear really quickly especially with the influential key figures within the team um, so that everybody's on point and you need to be consistent with that 
and that means you've got to stand up to it yourself as well i yeah i absolutely agree absolutely agree. and that, that also goes back to the point of any type of youth development is it is it for results or is it for actual youth development you know you have e- even playing time to sort of establish uh, a growth throughout the team or you have you know basically do you play your best players week in week out just and let the other players sort of sit on the bench and not get better so it's juggling those different things of results versus growth and I think that's really important for the coach to to recognize that growth comes first and foremost with with youth development and it should results are results are just the the outcome of of whatever it is you do yeah but um that's also down to the establishments as well yeah because um if like uh for example my little group um we're about to enter into a competition phase and results do matter and these kids are seven <laughs> yeah so what it's, 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 so you're in you're in China right now. What what um, how big is the pitch that they're playing in? Is it the same? Is it the same sort of model in the FA that they're playing in, in a certain size yeah, pitch? Yeah, with... it, it, it's pretty similar. Um, but what you would find is an interpretation of it. <laughs> okay. So um, they've made the effort to make the size pretty similar to what you'd expect for a five v five or or an eight v eight. Well, the eight v eights are are bigger, and obviously. Um, I don't think we do 8v8s back home in England. I think we do 9v9. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so the fields are... It's one of the first things we notice is, is how, how large the, the fields are as, as the players sort of stepped up in age group. But, um, do you think that's beneficial or detrimental to the, to the players? Well, that will come with time as, as the country learns more about, um, about youth development because to have a small cluster of players on a, on a large field... Um, it's not, it's not great it's um it's, it's not great at all no. but then it, it's small steps you know because it's, it's uh it's a massive country it's a massive sport and the learning is immense and obviously coming from a background where we're used to the game we take for granted all the things that we know and it comes naturally to us but here they're learning everything from scratch so out of respect to their learning pathway, certain things you have to um, over, not overlook, but accept for now, because it will change. It seems like you have a really great opportunity in terms of like the organic growth, not only of these players, but you can kind of do what you think is best for these players because you're sort of in control of all the aspects. Am I, am I correct in saying that? Yeah, I think um, that that's what's so great about um, about being here at the moment and. And working with good people as well. Obviously, the people that you surround yourself with, they're a massive influence on how much you get out of, uh, you know, in terms of job satisfaction. Yeah. Job satisfaction is really, really high right now for me because um, I'm working with good people. And um, obviously, as as coaches, we're not always uh, we're not always in a position to say that. Unfortunately, well, I think that's actually um, a really really key point is job satisfaction because it, there aren't really too many jobs that you can just walk your way into where you just have. A completely high satisfaction level right away. Most of the time, in, in any coach's path, they'll sort of start on the low end of the spectrum and then work their way up, if that. Uh, so there's, it's a really, it's a rewarding job in itself, sometimes, yeah. but it's a really difficult um, emotional battle most of the time. What are some of the ways you've you've learned to help treat yourself uh, and help yourself in terms of job satisfaction if it's more on the lower end? Um, it's very, that's very rarely happened, 
Um, and, and I think the reason it's very rarely happened is because I've had so many um, coaching uh, roles or uh, jobs where they have been just treated as a job or they've just been perceived as a job. Whereas here, it's it's more regarded as, as a profession in terms of a vocation, you know, so there's more respect given to the role of the coach. We aren't just doing this as a hobby. This is this is a professional soccer coach, professional football coach. Really respect that role, and and it makes you respect it more as as that individual as well. So, um, so I don't really have to work too hard in terms of um, motivating myself. Okay, and and in terms of the players that you have at this at this point, most of them have ambitions of playing professional football. No, no, they they, they don't have that in their culture yet, really. Um, they're, they're still developing their passion and their and their and their um well i can say their knowledge of the game but then you'd say well they're very young what's their knowledge going to be like anyway but in terms of maybe what we have in in uk or back in the us their knowledge of the game is a lot less than that so their maturity in the game is is really they are really young players in terms of the intellect um so no they don't they're not they're not at that stage yet because they're still so, so early in their development of understanding. I think that I would argue. I would argue that the, even the U.S. is far behind in terms of cultural football impact. I think that the oh. a knowledge can be there and some sort of experience, but it, it leads to the question of: Can you have a country with a, a dearth of, of football culture? Can they have a successful football team? And you look at you look at an American football culture and and you sort of try and dissect it. It's relatively new. And most of it is imports, right? Most of the interest coming from or inside America, rather, is outside of America. Like players are um, wearing Barcelona jerseys, United jerseys, Arsenal jerseys. Um, They're sort of taking themselves out of America to find inspiration. So do you think it's possible to be in China as you are now and develop a culture? Is Is that something that you guys think about? Um, yeah, we, we do think about what, what the player should look like in terms of how, what sort of style we want them to um, start to kind of emulate and, and take on as their own DNA. Um, it, it's, it's, a, it's a real tough one, but that's, that's, what, that's what's so great about it because the challenge is, is really big because, because it is like starting from scratch. Um, the influence. The good thing, though, is that the influence they 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 are gaining from their own super leagues. So from obviously because they they've got their own professional leagues. Yeah. So they do have an affinity. They do have some sort of an affiliation to to the professional game. It's just that it's not so exposed. Here. Do you think that will come with the success of the national team? Yeah, definitely. They they are very patriotic here. So. The, the, I'm pretty confident about that. Well, that, I think it also leads to the question of can, how do you have a successful national team without too dense of a football culture, if that's even possible? Uh, development, you know, yeah. I, I, that's what I think. I'm not an expert, though. Well, it's um, it's a pretty it's I, a pretty I, unique experiment that you that you're doing right now. Is because you're sort of starting from scratch and have these have this endless sort of knowledge and this diverse knowledge set with the coaching background of yourself, but also your colleagues. And you can sort of sort of create what it is you want to do and sort of try and develop these players 
in a raw way and from scratch. It's really a really interesting um, project. It's it's really tough as well, but I think that's what makes it so enjoyable because you're looking for small, uh, what you recognize as small elements of, of uh, improvement. What, so, yeah. What are some it, of those it, small elements that you, that you find? Well, I mean, even uh, now, bearing in mind that these these kids are are little intellectuals, they're you know they they're preparing themselves for careers that they are quite sure about, which aren't related to to the game. So many of them, I spoke to a girl; she was fourteen, and um, she said to me, oh, "I'm I'm going to be a translator." <laughs> and I'm like, you're 14, and you know, wow. I, I, I know we do have that, but it, I, I was very surprised because I don't hear that very often from a, from a 13, 14-year-old. Well, you do hear but, it in, I mean, in football, though. You do hear a 13, 14-year-old say, I'm going to be a professional footballer. Yeah, but none of them would, would say that here. I've never, we, we wouldn't have anyone here that we've worked with who'd say that, that their destiny lies in in our game, most of these guys and girls are saying to us, you know, we're going to be a doctor, we're going to, but a 13, 14 year old, she was very assured, and I, she actually looked a lot older, but um, they they don't see, they don't see their future being, being this sport because they, they don't know enough about the sport yet. I also think that yeah. might, ha- might have something to do with um, role models, right? There aren't too many role models that they would be able to look up to and say, oh, I'm similar to that person. I can replicate their path. When, when, it, when you're in England or South America or anywhere else in Europe or in, in America, you can, sort of, you can have these role models you look up to and say, I want to be just like them. I want to be like this player, that player, and that player. You know, you have that, but but in, yeah. in China, you don't you don't have those role models. Um, they've they've got some. It's just uh, they they have got some because obviously their their leagues are up and running, and but it's it's just not it's just not regarded as a as a, as a, a main big sort of certain career yet. It's not a certain career. It's not something which is so stable yet. So. Huh. most stable and um, successful thing that you want your child to be would be, you know, the, the doctor, the, yeah. the, the, the translator. So, yeah, it, it, it's, it's growing. But it, it will definitely happen, but I haven't come across any, any child who's, who's told me or who's indicated they want to play the game as a career. That, that might be an interesting conundrum because football in its – essence is never a stable career path i think maybe one percent of academy players actually reach their cat their professional their first teams right you know less than one percent of those those academy players reach that level so it's it is a really unstable career path so maybe that might be a problem in china in the future of the the natural instability of it might present a huge barrier for parents in terms of support and and it's, it's a very competitive um, culture here, you know, that, that, that they really want to do well and, and they understand that that incorporates a lot of hard work. So, you know, but they believe in meritocracy. They, they do think that if, you know, at the end of the day, if they're working very hard, then, then they'll, they'll achieve it. And right now, I think there's a lot of evidence for that. It's very interesting. It's very, um, very interesting learning about different culture. Definitely. Has that, has that ex- sort of expanded your horizon as a coach as well? Yeah, it has because um, something that something happened. Uh, it was only a few days ago, actually. 
one of our players, he he couldn't train anymore because he, he'd hurt his foot. And he, he he's usually um, really, really confident. Really confident. The boy that he doesn't, he won't be listening to you because he's, he's trying to do his kick up. He's a very confident, big character. And he was crying. And he didn't want people to see him crying. And, and he was crying because he couldn't train. And as much as I could say, oh, well, the culture is not really embedded in the, the you know in this game they're still learning that's passion and no one's had to teach him that you know that 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 10 year old boy he's passionate about his game mm-hmm. what are some of the other inspirations you look for as a coach maybe it, maybe different coaches you look up to or different uh, any sort of leadership roles you look up to as well um outside of family yeah it can be. It can be family inspirations or other coaches you like, or some t- some maybe some coaching tactics you've taken from other coaches. I mean, we, you and I were speaking oh. about being idea thieves yesterday, and I thought yeah. that was a pretty interesting um, concept. And and so, who are some of the people you look for and look to take ideas from or share ideas with? I think I think um, I, I always always say my main uh, my main inspirations my mother. Um, I always say that because that's my mental development. Um, obviously the first person that I would have had in my life who was nurturing with my mother so she taught me to be um, she taught me to learn to be mentally tough um, resilient but but also caring not so mentally tough that you you are unapproachable and you you don't have likability so um, I learned I learned to try and harness the mental strength that you need to, to survive and to get by um, from my mother, uh, in terms of the game, uh, I learned an awful lot from some of the um, some of the players that I've, I've played with because I started quite late as a player, um, but I was playing in a women's team because we didn't have girls' teams. Um, so that's just about how to conduct yourself with physical uh, challenges, which I enjoyed. Um, right now, as a coach, I like to watch. Um, I like to watch some uh, Bayern Munich uh, practice sessions. Learned a lot from watching how they set out. Um, I also like to speak to coaches, um, experienced coaches especially. Um, I like uh, the guy at Hoffenheim. I like what he's his his mindset. I like I like um, yeah. you know, and coaches just a little bit outside of what you call the box. Yeah. Um, so he's big on. Um, He's, he's big on uh, man management as well. Like, yeah, man management and images. I, I, yeah. yeah, and and that that's just, that's just like youth coaching, isn't it? But it's youth coaching working with senior players. Yeah, Ju- Julian Nagelsmann is is definitely one of my inspirations as well. He's a, a great young coach. He was one of the he was the youngest yeah. coach to ever coach in the Bundesliga. Um, he's only yes, 30, he 30 years old right now, and he, he there's a picture recently yeah. going around of the of the screen that he installed on the side of the pitch. Yeah. Have you seen that? He was trialing that, so had that been passed now? Is it- oh, yeah, it's been around for over a year now, I believe. But, uh, yeah, it's cool. You should see the players going over set plays or going over any tactics. So you get sort of the, the visual aspects of things and then the physical aspect of things yeah. both on and, on and off the pitch. And it's great because it's right there and it's available. But he, he's also very, very keen on man management and motivation as well because he, he you can have a technical player or a great player, but 
you still have to get them to do something. You have to motivate them to do something because it's quite an absurd concept telling someone to go do something for you and, and there's not really much reward after. So it's a really strange, maybe underlooked aspect of football is, is motivating players and getting them to buy into your your philosophy or your ideas because it's quite a controlling role that we have as coaches. But how do you develop the relationship where your player will do it for you and take ownership and, and, and execute the, the ideas you have and they have and together. It, it's a really, really underlooked um, aspect of it. And he's great at it, though. He's really, really great. At it. If, you look at, if you look at his team's play, they're running and working hard and sticking with the system uh, the entire 90 minutes. I, I think he's part of a, a, a good, good cluster of coaches uh, or head coaches that sort of popping out of Germany right now. Yeah. So I, I, I think there's definitely a good um, bit of a crest sort of occurring over in Germany. It will, be, it will be good to, you know, sort of get a closer insight to how they're being educated yeah. to, to learn how to do that or, or, or have that freedom to, to practice it with their players without massive consequences yeah i think that you know? yeah i think that actually goes into your situation at the moment as well because you're you're dealing with educating these players and creating these players giving environments to these players but i also think a very important thing for any culture is creating coaching environments so coaching education giving giving um the i guess people from that country the environment of learning as to coach and i think that'd be that is that something that you guys are doing as well as giving coaching education no, we we don't do coach education, so to speak. But um, for me personally, I, I I I obviously love learning. I love I love trying to find things out. I, I'm curious, and I think you should be a curious person if you're a coach. And I think you should also be um, willing to um, find solutions, at, and and that has to be self motivated. So. I think sometimes you'll find that the coaches, some of us might just want to be given answers. Give me a session that would allow me to do this. Do do you have this that I can use? Give me this answer. Give me. It's like well, you've got to be curious to 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 maybe put a different type of practice on. Discover it yourself. Create it yourself. Do some research. Try something new. Yeah. So coach education is fantastic, but I think we've also got to work hard to, to find answers ourselves as coaches. Definitely, and I, I like to think of it as any type of sheet music, right? Any session will be a form of sheet music, but it's down to the coaches to get the players to express the music in a different way because anytime you hear two artists play the same song, they can be completely different or sound somewhat similar, but there will always be a unique perspective because everybody is different so as the coaches it's can you foster the environment for expression through that format of let's say let's just for the sake of this call it sheet music i i think coaches do need to think like i i I believe coaches need to think like that yeah definitely i I think we've we've got so much power and sometimes we don't realize it and sometimes we don't utilize it and that doesn't happen just when you're delivering that session It, it happens throughout the week. I think that's know? an extremely important point you just made is the, the power aspect of it because in, in essence you do have almost total control of the operations that happen for a group of people but that does actually yeah. go overlooked. It really, really does because if you look at your career path as a player or any career path as any any player has, 
they're in environments where they're told what to do constantly. And do you think that that structure is beneficial for development or maybe a, a f more liberating sort of free structure would be better off? Or maybe a combination I of both? That, yeah, definitely a combination because in order to have, uh, you want them to have that bit of autonomy, but they, they have to have a sense of ownership first. So they, they need to know how to do something and it, they need to have that guideline and that's us. We we provide them clarity for the guideline. Once they understand the guide, my opinion anyway. Once they understand the the guideline, then they can have that autonomy. Then they can, then you can give it to them because I think that if you if you're giving them lots of freedom, and they've got no idea about the uh, restrictions that would occur during the stress of a game or the stress of a of a season. You're, you're going to have lots and lots of failures, repeated failures with not a lot of learning. Hmm. So I think they need to have restrictions first. And once they understand the restrictions, then they can have their freedom so that they know when to pull back, when to, and what decisions to make and how to make them and why. So I think you need to give them restrictions first and discipline first so they know how to use it. I think that's a fantastic uh, perspective for, for, especially for you or any coach, and I would totally look to to replicate that. But w one question I have for you is: Do you think that the hour and a half format per day is the perfect model for developing a player or developing any team? Do you think it's too little, too much, or maybe you can do, maybe sort of change it? Maybe you can have a different aspect where you have learning in a classroom about tactics, about space, about um, any sort of video analysis you can do and then have a physical training session and then have different basically try and juggle the educational model that we have of just an hour and a half session do you think are there some ways that you would think uh that you can improve upon it um i think with most things in, in the game it depends on like it, it depends on the age and the maturity level of the players so an, an hour and a half for the U16s is probably perfectly fine because uh, obviously arrival activity, activations, technical, tactical, and then game and then analysis and a little bit of fun. But if you're working with younger kids, like a U8, U9, maybe that's, well, maybe a U8, maybe that's too long. Or if you're working with U16s who've got no uh, very little knowledge of the game, very little experience, that might be too long as well. Mm -hmm. So I think it depends on the maturation of the player, whether they get it, whether they understand the game. And then it depends on their uh, actual biological age because some of them can't concentrate for an hour and a half. Yeah. Do, yeah. So you've coached almost all age groups then, haven't you? Not that well, though. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I would, so, but, and you've coached both uh, male and female players as well. Yeah. What, yeah. what are some of the? Are there, are there any differences that you see, or maybe no differences at all? What, what, what do you see as different ways a coach should maybe approach a female game or the male game or a younger game versus a more mature game? Are there are there any differences at all that you've seen or have manifested for you? Um, I think people people would say that there's a big difference between the genders, between coaching male or female. I, my opinion is that the, the difference is, is not in the gender, it's in the 
expectation of the group and in the male game there's a chance that the expectation is higher so the coaching might be a little bit more uh, tactical yeah tactical quicker whereas if you're working with a female player there's a big chance that you're grateful for small small steps and you are less likely to have higher expectation of the performance um, so I think the the differences in the genders is just the expectation of the environment or the expectation of the coach um, if you've got a coach that's quite competitive and has got high expectation then that will um, have an impact on the group regardless of being male or female players I think that's an extremely important point you just made I think it's quite brilliant is to have the coach needs to manage their own expectations because if if they don't you sort of can get very very frustrated very quickly right you you yeah. do see that happen yeah. that's very important I think I really really like that oh thank you because <laughs> <laughs> um, I think you'll find sometimes that you know you'll be watching a session or or you've been maybe take over a group of players and and a, a pass hasn't got there and you're like well how have you been coached that you, you don't notice that that pass hasn't got there and it needs to be a different way or you've lost the ball and, and you your immediate reaction was was not one to go and reduce the space or regain why have you not done that and and if they've been coached in a way that has been kind of maybe you know a little bit of apathy has been allowed to set in then that that's just that's just down to the coaching it is totally right so i wanted to run by some some ideas um with you we, we were talking about racial stacking and racial tasking last night um a few a few of the football yeah. junto members and i were talking about that and do you, so i guess racial stacking would be giving certain people certain certain um stereotypes uh, positional uh, stability on the pitch. So, like for example, if you have a member of the BAME community with certain physical stereotypes that they are given from cultural stigmas, uh, certain roles on the pitch. So you'd have p- members of the BAME community playing more action or physical-related positions, like winger or center forward, and then you'd have more preconceived stigmas of uh, white uh, leadership roles on the pitch being in the center mid or uh, center backs. Have, have you seen that in your career, or maybe growing up? Have you seen things like that happen? Um, it's a tough one because it's 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 really difficult to um, kind of prove in a way from a perspective of maybe especially the perspective of a player if if you're not um, if you're not really educated about it and and you you just have to sort of. You, you're just trying to use your sixth sense, but your sixth sense isn't really tangible. It's it's just an opinion. It's so subjective that you know. I mean, I was a striker, and I, I it, it took me such a long time to actually understand the game and to be effective. And I think that if I was coached differently, then maybe I, I would have had more success sooner but then is was that because of my color that i was made a striker because i was the fastest one i was very fast but why wasn't i successful that might have been down to a a bias yeah um yet was it simply down to the fact that 
maybe I, I, I just didn't get it. I just, I just didn't understand. Well, yeah. <laughs> so it's, I think it's really yeah, and racial stacking has also sort of evolved into racial tasking. So you basically give certain traits of speed or physique certain positions, right? So you'll have players who are fast. Uh, they'll be in more of a skill position. And then yeah, that does happen. And we were trying to expand on that last night about cultural tasking. So you have like South American players being more in more, in more advanced places on the pitch. Um, and be thought of as players who don't defend first, but rather can create something out of nothing. Uh, these these yeah. cultural stigmas. Um, do you think that that's implemented in, in, in football still? It's a hard one because it's, I mean, obviously we're kind of a bit of a microcosm of society. And within society, we, we've got these biases and prejudgments of, of, of groups of people um, due to culture and color. So... I think it would be really tricky to say that it didn't exist in the game. It's not realistic. Um, and I, I think that there actually is evidence that yeah. these situations have occurred. So, um, yeah, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised at all. Do, do you see it at all with coaching? So maybe some stereotypical stigmas that happen with members of the BAME community in coaching roles? Yeah. Um, I, I think that um, there's got to be an explanation for the, the, the figures, yeah. for the numbers, which, which relate to which head coaches come from whichever background and what genders to so look at the national teams for, for the women's game, how many women are coaching in the WSL. Um, I, you know, I, I think that you, you can't pretend it doesn't exist because there's got to be an explanation and, and that the figures don't lie, really. There's, there's got to be something there. And what do you think about the quota systems that might be, might or might not be implemented? Do you, do you agree with the quota systems as the best form of uh, of eradicating this, this, this racial stacking or this racial tasking? Well, something's got to be done. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever's been tried so far, which I, 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 I can't really think of many things, but, but nothing's really been... Um, nothing's proven to be successful and i don't i don't accept the argument that maybe people who are being targeted in terms of um being given this assistance maybe they aren't interested in this coaching or maybe they aren't good enough maybe they're not up to it i don't believe that at all yeah i don't believe that and unfortunately there's been so many situations where conversations have been um have come out in the public which had been private conversations which have proven that behaviors have resulted in um, unfortunately some people not being given opportunities so you know I, I think it's like society the, the game isn't it so it's no different we have we have poor treatment in society and that's just naturally seeped into into the game and it's been there for a while i imagine Definitely. And I think that actually goes back to the point we made about culture and football and culture being sort of the, the mirror of the uh, sorry, football being the yeah. sort of mirror image of the culture yeah. for that country. And it, it went back to one of the ideas I spoke about um, with some football junto members recently is that the national teams especially are direct manifestations of the of the actual culture in that country. And one of the things that's really like if it, here was my idea is that if you were to silhouette the footballers and silhouette a football match, right? So you wouldn't be able to actually see the kit color or the or the 
or the way the the players look. You just see sort of outlines or shadows of the of the players. You would you would be able to identify the team based upon playing style. So I would be able to say, oh yeah, this this team is passing in this sort of pattern. They're sort of pragmatic in this way and that. It's definitely Italy. Without having identif- without needing to see their kit color or, or their or their faces, you'd be you'd be able to do the same with Brazil, Argentina, Spain, Germany, France, because of their styles of play and their cultural identities. And it's 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 no coincidence that the strongest teams in the world have a very con- concrete cultural and football identity. But if you go to countries like America, they don't have this sort of cultural identity or this footballing identity. So if you were to silhouette them and say ask somebody who is this team you'd be I, I don't actually really know because they don't play in a consistent way they don't have this consistent structure yeah, yeah. But, i mean it, would that ju- that's just uh, that's just the lack of dna though the, the lack of um, as part of the development where i think for a while in america you you can't kind of, you have a big spanish influence with your coaching and then all of a sudden uh, it, it sort of changed quite a bit so maybe you just need to Sort of solidify what what you actually want in terms of your, your your style for the next 10 15 20 years or whatever well maybe that's something you can replicate as well in china i'll give it a go but no, it, well <laughs> you it, it's really great though because you are you are sort of trailblazing the foundation of a, of a footballing culture in a country that's relatively new to this game yeah it's quite a quite it's, a cool it, position it, it, yeah um, but with that comes a lot of, you know, obviously it comes a lot of responsibility and you've got to make sure that you've really researched whatever it is that you're saying, statements you're making, and it's not just your own personal preference. It's got to be able to serve this player for the next, you know, for the entire time that they enjoy playing the game. And, and they're still little people, you know, so in that respect, it doesn't matter which country we're in, we're, we're still working with little people and little souls and you've got to give them that sense of where they belong within this game regardless of their ability or potential i i think that's absolutely brilliant again and i would if we're going to ever end on a perfect high note then i think it should be that because i think that's a, a beautiful perspective to have not only for any football coach but any leader or teacher in general is to see the person first and then see how they learn and see how you can teach them and create the perfect environment for them so i really really agree with that and i really think that's a great um perspective so I just want to thank you for, for, for joining me and, and uh, I really enjoyed myself and, and learned a lot. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Thank you very much.